What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. This is not the final cut. How are we doing today, Sam? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm feeling like I'm being watched. Uh, I made a joke earlier. It was a dumb, you know, 420, 69, haha, funny number joke. Uh, and seconds <laughs> after I tweeted it, a drug dealer followed me on Instagram. So that kind of freaked me out. And then seconds after that, a sex bot followed me. So I'm pretty sure I'm being watched at the moment. <laughs> how, how did you know this account was a drug dealer? Did you just uh, say it in the bio? Like, I'm a drug well, dealer? Basically, it, <laughs> it links it to a, a website and go to the website. But all the posts were just pictures of weed and of just strains that they were. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, so maybe don't make jokes related to stuff you don't want people following you on because no. everybody's got your data somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I had a good day, too. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Instagram or anything, my private Instagram, at least uh, Michael's wedding video came out. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I did. Watched I didn't watch along. it, but I, but I saw that it was out. Yep. Some good, some good content there outside of the, the movies I was watching to get prepared for this episode. Yeah, I, uh, I did see that the video was out. Uh, I'm going to probably watch it eventually because, you know, I want to see if I'm in it. I'm a very vain person like that, but uh, I, I didn't watch it yet. But uh, we can get into it here. You know, yeah, this episode, we got, we got a lot going on. Uh, we got a short synopsis, I guess, of what we've been watching recently, just to go through a couple of those. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those being Malignant, the 2021 horror film that uh, I enjoyed. I got definitely some positives and negatives on it, as we'll we'll hear soon. I'm eager to hear your thoughts on it as a, a big horror fan. Uh, it took me a while to get around to seeing that. I watched it back when I first got mono. And, uh, okay. um, and yeah, that was one of my first watches. And so the rewatch, actually, I noticed much, much more in it than I did on the first watch. And then uh, after that, we'll get into some news which should be fun. There's a lot of, actually a lot of trailer news, particularly coming out recently that I'm excited to get into with you. And then our main episode today, we're always saying, you know, that movie shot really well, all that. It's all amazing shots. And we're going to talk about some of those shots and uh, what it means to have good, really good cinematography in a movie. So let's get into some I'm specifics, excited. baby. Oh yeah. The nitty analysis. gritty. The nitty gritty. All right. So what have you been watching? Ah, so I did a, lot, a couple rewatches and then uh, one new one. As we said, I rewatched Malignant. That we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. um, but then I rewatched Godfather Part Two because it's been a long, long time since I watched that for the first time. And um, you know, I love that whole saga trilogy because they made that yeah. fourth one that was not great. But you know, I, did I love, not even know I, about that. Yeah, exactly. I I love the original Godfather, and Godfather Part Two I think is my favorite of the three interesting i think that might and, be an unpopular opinion yeah i don't I, I love godfather part two but so rewatching that was was really fun because i was like kind of tearing my room apart actually at home i was mm -hmm. just like ripped like completely re reformatting everything i just put it on like kind of in the background but kind of just you know sitting down to watch it um i also watched molly's game for the first time i'd not seen that with jessica chastain and idris elba have you I seen have that not seen it no dude it's crazy I started like, it in like 2018. I watched three minutes and I was like, yeah, I'll watch this later. And I never watched it. I, I should, I need to. It's uh, you do. Cause not even like it's, it's a really good movie. Like they, again, all the stuff we normally talk about, it's very good on all fronts. She does a great job acting, but just the story alone and how accurate it is. If you go watch like interviews and stuff mm -hmm. afterwards, 
the poker games this chick ran yeah. in Hollywood, it it blows my mind. Like some of the people she had playing and like how much money was on these tables. She said in an interview one time, she saw an actor unnamed, well, later named, maybe she unnamed him in the interview, lose a hundred million in one night and pay the next day. Wasn't uh, Michael Sarah's character in the movie based on Toby Maguire? They say Toby or a, a combination of Toby DiCaprio and Ben Affleck. Interesting. But I think a lot of like the, his like, he's kind of an ass after a while. Mm-hmm. And like, I think a lot of that actually comes from Toby, at least according yeah. to the un, most unreliable source, Dan Blazarian in, in an interview oh, okay. where he said like a lot of that, because he played in the games. He's yeah. like, yeah, Toby is like, I never really liked Toby, but he was like the, he was just saying how accurate a lot of that is. And uh, I don't know. Even don't know. Molly Bloom herself says it's also pretty, they stay pretty true to her story yeah. in, in interviews, which is really cool. How about you? What are, what are your uh, recent, recent viewings so, before we get into Malignant? Uh, with my family, we, we rented the new Spider-Man movie. I had already seen it. I watched it in theaters. Um, so we watched that. My dad was confused. Um, uh, I watched the green, I rewatched the green Knight. Love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Actually, it was my favorite movie of last year. And then I, we're going to get into Malignant. We've said that. So that's it. That's those three. Nice. So uh, your dad was confused on the multi. You got lost in the multiverse. Yeah, I, he, he <laughs> doesn't really like the connections. He just wants self-contained movies. Yeah. So like that, that was not the stories. movie for him. Yeah. Right. So I guess then we can just uh, get right on into Malignant from that. So right off the bat, you know, some some just overarching feelings about this movie. It definitely changed uh, first to second watch. I don't know about you, but I I definitely was more into the whole movie the first watch. Mm-hmm. Second watch, there was more that I found to be like kind of cheesy or over the top, but it was still good. I still really enjoyed it. it particularly like this movie has me completely for the first two thirds of it. And there's mm-hmm. some stuff in that last third that just takes me out of it and kind of turns me off. So it's interesting you say that because I watched it pretty early after it came out because uh, a lot of people I I don't follow on Twitter, I guess, uh, were saying, oh, oh, it's got a, a crazy ending, crazy ending, crazy ending. I was like, all right, let's see if this actually is a crazy ending. Uh, my thoughts on it in general are, I believe it's probably uh, like a love letter to B-horror movies from the 50s to the 80s, where it's, it is silly. It's very, very silly. I think it's intentional. And it's supposed to be like camp, like Evil Dead 2. Uh, a lot of the, uh, I've talked about before, William Castle, a lot of those William Castle movies in the 50s are intentionally silly. Uh, I do think this is trying to pull from that. And that being said, a lot of the dumb stuff doesn't work, even though I think it's national. But I, that is how I look at the movie. Yeah, I thought that you might, like, just knowing you and all conversations we've had about the 2000s and how, like, kind of grimy and, like, gory they are, mm-hmm. that you might not like some of the over-the-top gore that is, that well, is in that I do, back third. I like gore. I think the, my problem with the 2000s is they're ugly. They're ugly movies, dirty, right. ugly movies. Gotcha. Okay. Because I'll so, talk about later a, a gory movie, but I digress. Yeah, no. 
So just to get, you know, now, now we have like the overarching feelings on it to kind of move through the movie itself. I think I'm going to stay in the first, again, two thirds for a little bit, just so we don't spoil anything. And also just kind of move through progressively. James Wan is a master of suspense. I love the conjuring series. I think the way that he builds a scene is just like so captivating because he doesn't rely on the jump scare, right? Like mm. a lot of people, they rush the scare. The scare is like the big thing. This dude subtly builds everything around the scare first. <laughs> he plays with my roommate. Um, no, he, he, uh, he builds like all the, the little aspects, like the blender going off the fridge door opening to name a few with the, would you know that actor's name who plays Luke in Percy Jackson plays Derek in this movie? I don't know his name, but I do have a note here where I wrote down this podcast can't escape the, the grasp of Percy Jackson. No, we, I think we have talked about Percy Jackson every episode. I think that initial scene where, again, this, I don't even know if this is a spoiler. I'll say spoiler warning, but it's not really. This dude dies in like the first scene, yeah. almost the first scene in the movie. It's pretty I, telegraphed. You know, as soon as you meet him, he's going to die. Yeah. He, the way that he, Again, so this is our shots episode. We're, I mean, we're focusing on shots. I'll focus on a few. The, the guy moves throughout the house and he does a great job of like, he'll cut to, we see him in frame, just still frame, looking at something. Then we see a cut down to like the couch cushion moving or like the fridge door or the blender, something like that. Then we're immediately given point of view shot from his eyes. So it's like, we mm-hmm. see something scary. We see him look at something scary. And then exactly where we don't want to be is in his shoes, and that's exactly where James Wan puts us. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And in that scene in particular, and I think he does it in most of the like tense scenes, but in that scene in particular, he mixes these handheld shots that feel like almost like found footage, where a lot of times it's like from the shadows or whatever, and it looks like you're from the perspective of uh, the you know the the scary thing, and it's those create unease but then he mixes them with the uh stylish like smooth zooms and pans that are clearly on like a a, i don't know a machine whatever and i think that sticks with the what i see is like the falseness of the movie where it's not supposed to be realistic but you get that it feels real and scary and also it feels very much like a movie and i think that's a really cool juxtaposition to use a yeah, and I think even so then like after again building that scene, even when he does do he even when the jump scare actually comes out, right? Even mm-hmm. that is subtle because he doesn't need to be so in your face. Like I think of like sometimes that he has done that, like the big woman in the conjuring. Mm-hmm. That's like very in your face. But that's not even like my that's one of my least favorite in that movie, at least. Yeah. Something I like more is think back to when when we got so terrified in your basement yeah. watching Insidious yeah. chapter two. Do you remember that? And yeah, the woman- I, that's that scene. I don't think has a music well. I think it's just the woman saying, "Don't you dare!" or whatever. It, yeah. what's in the scene is what's scary, not like a music well or something. Uh, exactly. False. And I'm not even talking about just the the noises, right? It's just mm-hmm. all she does is pass in front of her slightly, and then someone else appears. And in this scene, all the woman does is all she's just sitting on the couch. Is some dark figure just sitting on the couch? Yeah. It's not even something so in your face. And then she's gone the next second. That's all we needed. I'm freaking out as soon as I see that. 
Another perfect example of that, and probably my second favorite jump scare ever behind the tall man in uh, It Follows, is in The Conjuring, when the mother is walking around the house and she goes in the basement with the match, and the hands come from behind her and right next to her face, clap. That is very subtle, and it's horrifying. That scared the crap out of me the first time I saw that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Again, so yeah, I think he's just... To get back to the main point of that whole little yeah. bit there was just that he he is very good at the subtlety in horror, being able to scare you with very minimal. I think bringing up his subtlety and the scares is also interesting to compare to everything else in this movie is the least subtle thing you can possibly have. The cops are like caricatures of cops. The The dialogue is so like... Again, I think it's intentional, but it's so like, oh, this is a scary movie and they're delivering the intense line now. There's a scene I wanted to talk about in particular where the two cops are in the like autopsy room and they're looking at Derek and uh, the, the uh, lady cop, I don't remember her name, I apologize. She says, I believe she says it's a, oh, it's a motive and the music quells and yeah. it, it feels, I wrote here, it feels like I can find it. It feels like an episode of Criminal Minds that's about to go to commercial break. And then she puts a yeah. lollipop in her mouth. It's <laughs> yeah. so like goofy and weird, but I, I do think it's it's like super unserious, but it's very interesting. Yeah, true. And I think well, I guess to, to play off of that a little bit, another thing that seems very in your face that's like a horror trope almost that seems to be almost getting made fun of is the hypnotic memory sequence. When she's screaming violently, like, like mm -hmm. I almost, like, we kind of laughed at that, but it's, like, something fully, that just happens all the time. I fully it's believe this movie's supposed to be funny at parts. Like, th yeah. there's no way it's unintentional. You can't not laugh at, at like, through the end sequence. Um, but, again, it, it's so interesting, though, because it is very scary in the lead-up. That, again, that's yeah. why I like it more in the first two-thirds, because I wasn't in the mood to see, like, super satirical funny. But mm -hmm. I noticed that more in the second viewing. So I think we can, I think since we're getting into that zone a little bit of like where this movie goes, we should mark this as like our spoiler point, unless you have more to say before that. I'll no. let you go if you have more before the spoiler. I'd, I'd like to have the first sentence after we start spoilers. Okay, you may go. She has a tumor named Gabe. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever heard in a movie in my entire life. I, I laughed so hard when they were calling him Gabriel. That's so, I, I don't know why that made me laugh Ironic, so also kind of ironic that she calls him the devil. Because of the angel Gabriel. And I the thought angel about that Gabriel. The yeah, that's interesting I too. I just, that just came to me when you mentioned like she has a tumor named Gabriel. That's also a living person. No, so one, again, a good note for this whole movie, set design is phenomenal, but here's, I wanted to wait for the spoiler portion to bring up a research hospital just because like, that's kind of a big plot point. Mm -hmm. um, set design is phenomenal, but I said the outside of that hospital looks like the kingdom of Gondor from far away or Hogwarts or some yeah. shit. That's some massive mystical building. Where I was talking about the lack of subtlety, it's not just like a, a scary hospital. It's the most castle-y, goofy, scary hospital. It's not just like a, a creepy house that she lives in. It's the most unabashedly haunted Victorian house. Like it's all on a so lake, overt. on a lake, on a mountain. Yeah. Like, in the middle it, of nowhere. <laughs> it's so overt. And so like, I, I know I'm, I'm saying the same thing over, over and over again, but it's very similar to those, like the, the B movies from uh, years ago. Yeah. I mean, 
it does. And I think it, it honestly kind of swells as the plot of the movie swells, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it does seem very much grounded to me, at least in the beginning until the thing again, like, I guess it's the first time we see Gabriel and know like it's Gabriel is when it really just kind of takes off. But yeah, I was watching. I'm like, wow, these sets are great. Her attic's great. Her house is great. All the cuts like outside. Again, they're very still like decadent, like decked out with the wheelchair, like the old wheelchairs. And it's always storming and the giant red light beaming into the one doctor's house. There's a lot of sets that I like, but yeah, they're over the top. But that one was almost so gone like the Hogwarts mm-hmm. looking hospital that I was just like, what the hell? Where? Yeah, it's very dumb, but I, I, I do like, that. I like dumb stuff. That's the thing that, yeah, no, if you know it's satirical, you can appreciate it in that way. Just really quick things. Uh, I love his use of color. You mentioned the red, uh, all the scenes that have the red light. I think, I think it might be every or almost every scene where Gabriel uh, like kills has some red source of light. It's very cool. Looks cool. It's just a cool thing. Uh, James Wan, to get into shots a little bit of this movie, just ones that I like. He loves the inverted shot. I don't remember when it happens in the movie, but he flips the camera upside down. I know he does it in The Conjuring. I think he does it in Insidious Chapter 2. Yeah. He, he loves that shot. It, it's a very fluid camera. There's a, there's a particular moment where we're reintroducing the doctor from the beginning of the movie. I don't remember her name. Um, and just to like remind us who it is, it smash cuts to her award, which one reminds us who it is, and two is important for the plot because it becomes Gabriel's weapon of choice. Uh, and then it like smooth zooms out into what she's doing in the scene. And it's like it's such a cool, smooth way of giving us the information and then showing us what's happening in the room. It's very good. I really like that. Yeah. You you definitely notice the sprinkling of information more on a second watch too. Like literally she says like the title's malignant. First of all, she Mm -hmm. says, we're going to cut out the cancer in the first scene. Yeah. And there's just so many things like when I was watching a second time, I was picking up on like, Oh my God. Like I didn't even notice she ran backward. Like Madison ran backward. I guess Gabriel ran backwards as Madison. The first time constantly touching the back of her head. Yeah. There's so much that you miss the first time just because you don't know it's important. Like knowledge is power. <laughs> yeah. In in watching that. Um, I have a lot less structural stuff now past like my set design comment. More mm-hmm. I have more, you know, content-based critiques that again, if we're taking this as like an homage to B horror and it's supposed to be over the top, don't necessarily apply. But like if it was to stay with the tone that I appreciated more in the first like third or two thirds. Yeah. Like until we get to that prison office scene is what I'm going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have more like structural stuff, you can go through that now before I do that. Well, I just had a few things. Uh, uh, there's an overhead shot when she's running from Gabriel where it tracks her throughout her house. And it's like from the ceiling of the upstairs. It's very, very cool. I've never seen a shot like that. It's so cool. Um, yeah. I think that's a, that's cut with, um, the point of view of Gabriel, right? Oh, I don't know. Maybe him like c- coming after her up the stairs. Well, I think they go I, point of view villain up the stairs as he's like crawling. That I think that I think we're thinking about different scenes. There's a scene where it's like top down, like looking down on the floor, and you 
like the camera's moving throughout the house as she runs and it follows her. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Right. No, no. That's what I'm saying. I think I'm with you. And then right whenever she decides to go up the stairs, it cuts to him. Oh, maybe. I don't remember that. But Maybe not. Uh, I like a lot of the effects. Gabriel looks practical for the most part, which I think is cool. The scene in the prison cell where she's like slaughtering people, I think is cool. I agree. I, like that I agree. A lot. The scene right after it in the police station, I do not think is cool. I think it's very I, rubbery. Doesn't look yes. very good. So this is exactly what I was going to say. But content wise, I yeah. don't think you needed the second time. We yeah. saw her him like whichever one you want to call Madison or Gabriel go absolutely ape shit on the girls in prison with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you did not need to go like and do with like 10 guns firing on him. Like I understand the dude is strong and we're supposed to like understand that, but we got bullets firing at this thing. It was kind of tacky because he's just also, it got boring almost because he was just killing cop yeah. after cop after cop after cop. Yeah. And I was like, all right, we get it. This dude, this guy's legit. He can fight all this stuff. And I think you could have just made the movie shorter, taken that out. And I think you take out the inner dialogue between her and him. I thought that was kind of mm-hmm. cheesy after she like takes him over. Yeah, that was dumb. I agree. That was dumb. <laughs> For two reasons. I didn't like, I thought the dialogue there was just tacky. And I think the lamp ending the like you know he's still here you hear the electric buzzing the guy controlled electricity the whole movie that felt forced to me i you know here's the thing it wouldn't have been forced had they not had that stupid dialogue before it if all you know is that she won she like can now like change the she can change the environment like he did Mm -hmm. but then she's there just caring for her sister and the lamp starts buzzing way more effective like, yeah, he's still there. We know he's still there. But they didn't have that stupid conversation like, I win. I'm going to be ready for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on. So I'm not, I'm not a, a, like a big anime fan. I don't really like anime. That being said, I have watched Naruto because I think it's funny because it's dumb and cheesy. But there is a scene in Naruto that's basically that exact same scene and just watching this horror movie, I'm like, yeah, I've seen this in Naruto before. <laughs> that that ruins it for me. And like, even yeah. down to the dialogue where Gabriel goes like, what? That's not possible. How yeah. could this be? It's so dumb. That's not possible. What's that? Oh, what's that from? I know. That's not possible. I don't know. Every movie ever. I know. That's, I know. There's something specific I'm thinking of, though, with some like superhero Honestly, yeah, you're right though. Every movie, like Hercules, it's yeah. impossible. Like the little guys. Um, yeah, I will no, so say though, I th- you go ahead. Okay, I just want to say really quick at the beginning of that hospital sequence, the pacemaker kill is very cool. That's yeah, really that creative. I like that a lot. Yeah, that was very neat. Um, but yeah, so that was just a couple things I had that I thought were a little bit tacky. But again, if we're thinking it's very over the top, which it obviously is, mm-hmm. given all the stuff that we pointed out, I get why that's there, but I content wise i would love for a different ending without the dialogue and without all of the crazy kills in the police station again the mm-hmm. cell the cell block great but yeah. once you get once you give me that we don't need 10 more minutes of it um just to go back real quick to the the over the top nature something i forgot to mention because i think you you started talking about shots and i want to interrupt you um the 
one of my roommates mentioned this actually. We have what? I think it's like it's like two black characters in this movie. One they're, who's they're our, both stereotypes. Main, our main our main officer. Um, but the other one, the girl in the the cell block, yeah. literally just screams like got like gotcha, honey, like something like that. And literally Ooh. looks like Beyonce. They dressed her like Beyonce in Austin Powers. That was something I noticed. And earlier when I couldn't remember the name of the lady cop, I didn't want to say because uh, I don't I don't want it to be construed as me making a racial comment. But I think that cop was supposed to be Wanda Sykes. Like that she seemed oh, she, to be right? like it was supposed to be Wanda Sykes. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. The fact like, that both like when she said motive. Were, when she yeah. said motive, I got major, yeah. Um, I uh, I also wanted to mention one more thing. I think it was cool, just a thematic kind of added thing. She couldn't ever overcome Gabriel until she realizes that he took her babies from her, which like mm-hmm. kind of plays into like the whole like innate love of a mother thing. Yeah, and that just like gave her the strength. I thought, I thought that was that was nice, but so yeah, that's that was all I had on the movie. Oh, another quick comment. The, the forensics girl with the glasses is way too stoked about seeing murders. That's so weird. Yeah. That made me so and, uncomfortable. And she's the only one that makes it out alive. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. She's also so horny for Kakoa. Yeah. That was, that was strange. <laughs> Kakoa? Dude, you literally see Luke Derrick, whoever the hell we're going to, the guy from Percy Jackson. You yeah. see that guy with his trachea horizontal sticking <laughs> out of his neck. And she's like, hi, Kakoa. <laughs> I haven't seen violence this bad from an automobile accident. Yeah. What? That character. Keep it in your weird. pants. You're at work. You are at work, ma'am. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was um, I thought like it, it was comedic and stuff like that. To even even if it's not supposed to be right or like yeah. it's not a joke, but it's comedic, um, which I can appreciate. But that was that was all I had, content wise and and structure wise. I don't know if I. It seemed like I was criticizing it a lot. I I really like. I think I like I would go back and watch it. I think it's rewatchable. I would watch it a bunch of times. No, for yeah, for sure. I agree with you. I again, I, yeah, I don't want to make it mis- misconstrued. I liked it. I just had a couple gripes with the the again, the the extreme like yeah. cop scene, but then also like it is comedic and I think on rewatch once you're past like the intensity of this movie like with the the plot twist and everything, I think that stuff's just fun to laugh at, which is why yeah. it's rewatchable. Oh, also, but, uh, the first time I watched it, the the moment I knew I knew the kind of twist was when Gabriel kills the guy, like in his bed when he stabs him in the neck. Go, uh, he, he's it's he's backwards, and I was like, oh, it's her. It's on the back of her. Gotcha. <laughs> that was when I figured it out the first time. Yeah, I still didn't know because I just didn't get that this was like kind of supernatural where it was like yeah we can have people that have humans growing from their skull i did know though once i saw them do the surgery i knew that it was when he threw her head into the wall Mm -hmm. was like the catalyst before they show you that but oh also just super super quick comment uh when she's running around and she thinks gabriel broke into her house she keeps saying it's all in my head it's all in my head that's cute. That's a fun. Oh, wow. Thing. Yeah, I didn't. Even on the second watch, I didn't pick up on that. That's cool. All right. Well, that does it for Malignant. Yep. And now how about we get into some news? 
All right. Love it. Love news. Yeah, I, especially this news. I don't like news when it's like dry, but this this is some fun news. We got a couple good movie announcements. Um, I learned something in this week's news, which I'll tell you about in a second. Nice. Um, but yeah, trailer trailer news is always fun. So why don't you uh you go ahead? I have a lot. We might share a trailer. I'm not sure. It was, there was one huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can lead it off. Uh, I'm gonna lead it off not with the trailer because I'm gonna let you talk about that. Uh, Robert Eggers uh, did mentioned recently that uh, Nosferatu hit a wall again. I think this is the second time it's kind of uh, been stopped in its pre-production, and it's probably not going to be his next movie. I'm not surprised by this. I really don't think it's ever going to be made, but uh, it is news. That's disappointing, especially for you. I know you're a big, big Nurse Ferratu fan. Yeah, and Robert Eggers. But yeah, yeah, and Robert Eggers. Yeah, you mentioned that the witch, and you you said right, you would want him to do Caligari. That's right. Yeah. Um, I uh, also, I guess, quick news just on Robert Eggers. Northman coming out on Friday. Excited yep. to see that. Or I guess tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not sure whenever uh, you all be listening to this, but it's tomorrow for us. Yeah. So get yourself to the theater, see Northman. Um. I'll go through, you know what, I'll go through all the trailers at the same time, and then you can just chime in on the ones that you, like, had a, okay. had a piece on. Uh, there was a new Lightyear trailer, Disney's Lightyear. It, I think, kind of gave us a plot of, like, we're going through, like, space and time. We're hopping around doing something through space and time, right? And yeah, I think they tease, they tease Zerg as a villain, which is cool. Um, excited to see that. I, I'm curious like where they're going to go with it. It's like a, it's a weird in between of like live action and animation. Yeah. I uh, was thinking about whether I'm going to see it. I don't love the animation style. Yeah. I don't know. It's something I'm just weird not about a big it. Disney fan, like Pixar Disney yeah. fan. But. I'm, I'm a, you know me, I'm a, I'm a huge, yeah. huge Disney guy. I don't know if I'll have to go to the theaters for that. Might be one that I just check out on Disney Plus, but yeah. Yeah. No, that, it was cool. And then sticking with Disney again, Thor, Love and Thunder. Well, Marvel, but Disney. Uh, Thor, Love and, Love and Thunder trailer. What do you think? I think it looks fun. It looks like a fun movie. Yeah, which Thor's kind of made its brand, like the fun Marvel, like the uh, yeah. funny, you know, like goofy funny. Ragnarok was hilarious. It wasn't like so deep as like Civil War, which like was really political. Yeah. So I think Love and Thunder is going to be on the same wave. I think there's just a lot going on. I don't know yeah. how long this movie is going to be. But in that trailer, there was so many think, moving parts. Yeah, I don't think they've released the <laughs> runtime yet. I think they probably will when tickets go on sale, pre-sale it's tickets go on sale. It's gotta be 230 plus with the well, amount of shit they revealed in that. And the villain wasn't in it at all. Yeah, exactly, right? So I think there's just there's so much to unpack there. It's probably going to be a long one, but we'll see. I don't know. Um Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse delays uh, from October 7th of this year to June of 2023, Mm. which I thought like, you know, pushed back. But now I realize uh, it's actually a month before or after. I forget if it's a month. I think it might be a month after Madam Web comes out, which I think is going to probably intentional. But yeah, so that's all my trailer news. You can go ahead and then I've got um, one more after that. Oh, Oh, quick. Shout out. It's not it's not film. Stranger Things trailer also dropped. Pop yeah, for Stranger good. Things season four. Yeah. I like the design of the villain for the season. Yeah, for sure. All right, you go ahead. Uh, 
so can film festival released its uh lineup about a week ago and i noticed david cronenberg has a new movie coming out it's one of my favorite directors i talked about naked lunch in one of the episodes i never ended up watching it but i again i will soon um it's called crimes of the future maybe this isn't news it's news to me um but i'm excited to see it so we're going to can we're not going to can <laughs> but have you seen uh entourage yeah. We're going to Cannes. Dude, I love that show. <laughs> That's actually the first I learned about the Cannes Film Festival from Entourage. <laughs> I learned a lot about the movie industry from Entourage. Um, but yeah, so I have the Obama, the Obama family's production, I guess Michelle and Barack at least, their production company, Higher Ground. I didn't even know they had a production company. I didn't either. <laughs> this, I, I was reading this story like, oh, they signed on to some movie. I'm just like, wait, the Obamas have a, like a movie producing company, but evidently they do. And they signed, so they signed on with Netflix to produce a movie called leave the world behind. Sounds really interesting. Or it's supposed to star uh, Marishala. I forget how you say his name. Marishala Ali. Ali. Yeah. Marishala Ali. Uh, he was in, if you don't know, not you, but like if the listeners yeah. don't know, um, green book, he plays a uh, piano player, Dr. Shirley, Dr. Shirley, and uh, Julia Roberts, Denzel Washington, and Ethan Hawke. So a wow. pretty stacked. big, big four stacked on the front of the lineup. And I Ethan guess the, Hawke's the, busy. Yeah, right. He's in uh, Moon Knight. Northman. Got, yeah, Northman right now. Yeah, he's making some. He's making some cash here in the yeah. twenty one, twenty two. Uh, but it tells the story of a family vacationing on Long Island. And they're interrupted by these like two strangers that tell them of like this mysterious blackout. It's like a pretty neat concept. So learning about that movie and the Obama's production company was actually like cool news. Yeah. I know that uh, former president Barack Obama is a fan of movies because he does that end of the year. He'll release like a list of movies he loved. I see that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He does do that. That's, that's fun. Uh, I guess uh, that explains why he just got a production agency. Yeah. <laughs> So for my for any fans of uh, tabletop role playing games out there, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, I'm not a fan of that. By the way, I just it's, it's you gotta new. throw that out there. You're not a D and D guy. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons got a title. It's gonna be called Dungeons and Dragons Honor and Thieves. So uh, I don't know if that informs the plot at all, but not that to is me, what the new like I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not a D and D guy other <laughs> yeah <laughs> otherwise, but. Um, but, I think that'll be cool, though. You know, it yeah, seems I mean, like I'll that could be very Game it. of Thrones. That could be very Game of Thronesy. Yeah, but cool. That's all you got for news. I mean, we got yep. the Johnny Depp trial going on. I think Amber Heard's gonna eat some shit. As far as everything yeah. I've seen, poor poor guy. Speaking of that, uh, is there a story that she shit in their bed? Yeah, she shit in their in their bed. That's weird. <laughs> and when like, I guess there's a his, there's a big picture of him like whenever the court like found out that she shit in their bed and very bizarre he also i saw today i don't know if this was confirmed or not because that was like happened in the trial she had a threesome with elon musk and cara delavine what's her name delavine yeah yeah in at their house man i hate i really hate rich people like all these rich people and personalities i don't yeah. like any of them uh, and yeah amber heard can go kick rocks the smiths can kick rocks uh, i'm done <laughs> I'm done with that as news. 
but that's at least funny yeah <laughs> to laugh at um but yeah all right so i think that does it for the news of today for the film film industry if you have news that we missed you want to update us on some stuff hit us up on our instagram not the final cut on instagram try to be a little bit more active on there i got one post about uh episode three and uh next episode that involves you know user voting we'll be throwing all the uh the stuff on the story right when the episode airs so holes. stay tuned for that what'd you say some polls oh they said holes oh, <laughs> <All no. right. laughs> yeah we'll get some polls out there yeah but that does it for the news so getting into our main segment of this episode shots shot, not talking shot, about shot, booze shot, though shot, sadly shot, shot. <laughs> not talking about booze unfortunately because i still can't drink thank you mono but yeah, no, I think the way we ought to do this is just go through um, some that we have just as one-offs, you know, a little bit less significant that we just want to mention, you know, they exist, what they do, and then get into a few that we really like or really hate mm-hmm. with that kind of talk about movies that do it well or shittily and why we think it's shitty or awesome. So I'll let you lead it off with this too, man. What do you got? Uh, so for some that I just want to like go pretty quick with handheld shots for horror I talked about it with Malignant a little bit uh, like to show chaos if it's used sparingly I like it I hate shaky cam and fight scenes though I think it's dumb um, I don't know oh slow pan to uh, uh, like uh, reveal something in a, in a tense way and also gotcha. to show the passage of time there's a shot well, in a green night that does it really well very cool. i have a i have a comment on that too like literally all of budapest hotel yeah. wes anderson yeah whole, whole bunch of slow pens to reveal information yeah uh and those are those those are two that i was just gonna name oh okay yeah so those are the only two you got got a name as like one-offs yeah great all right I just have I have a couple more of those, uh, like low angle shot, high angle shot. Um, low angle is often called like the hero shot because you're mm-hmm. you know, looking up someone they look victorious. Um, also, they could be like dominating, could be like a, like a, a horror villain, something like that. Or in too um, fast, too furious. Yeah, but I also have your typical all your like static shots, close up, extreme close up, medium, long, extreme long, extreme long, establishing shot. Often just gives you a location. Medium, I think Godfather with that. I'm just going to mention that now because I did notice that when I watched Godfather Part 2 that it was um, it was just literally, it's almost like a, it's just like a picture frame. And you have characters just moving about the frame and kind of, the camera placement's usually interesting with those though, if it is static. Um, Dunkirk, I think of with that close up though, whenever the kid's on the beach, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? And all the shit's yeah. exploding behind him. You feel kind of stuck. Yeah. I think it was pretty cool. Uh, handheld, I had also with Blair Witch. I think it's cool that you can, with a handheld though, put make it a handheld point of view or mm-hmm. like a handheld non-participating third party. Yeah. So I think that's neat. I think those were all the ones that I had without, again, I, I know I named some specific movies, but without actually like really talking about. Oh, yeah. wait. One that I don't love all the time. If it's used well, it's good. But like a rotating shot or a roll. Do you have this at all? Uh, not really, kind of. 
Not really. Slowly, I like it, but if it's too fast, I get like dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> like I straight up get dizzy. People will know what I mean by not really later when I get into it. But. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Then I think everything else. Oh, the arc shot is another one. Arc and boom, I'll name because then I'll I, I won't talk about them as much. If you, I don't know if you will. No. Okay, then I'll just go through them real quick. The arc shot, you know, it's rotating around the central character, keeping the subject in the frame, but going around them the whole way. Um, and then the boom is just like literally, I like, think of like a boom lift, just lifting mm-hmm. up and down. So yeah, that is um, that's all I had is like my one offs. And I do think we should quickly explain, you know, the difference in like when we say like, oh, this movie's got great cinematography, or we point out like a director because I feel like we always on this on this podcast point out directors. I think a lot of people might be like kind of lost on that. It's like, I don't know what your view of that is. I've never like looked into this too much outside of like the two, like again, the two or three classes I've taken here. But to me, it's just like directors, like calling shots. He's involved with said cinematographer. He decides I want this kind of shot to convey this kind of emotion. Cause this is like my movie and I'm like running mm-hmm. the show cinematographer. It's like, I'm accomplishing that goal. That's yeah. the task that I'm getting done. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of times it depends. It seems to me like uh, uh, like Brian De Palma and Tarantino are very involved in the cinematography themselves. They're not cinematographers, obviously, but uh, whereas like if you hire Roger Deakins as a cinematographer, he's the one who's doing the shot. Like every Roger Deakins movie, you can tell is a Roger Deakins movie. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess. When I when I say that, I think more about like the big name directors. But yeah. then you could do it the other way with like a, a smaller like indie director and then a big some big name cinematographer that just yeah. like signed onto the project. Let's get into some of the ones that we really uh, felt strong about. I guess. Okay. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Oh, uh, you can go first. All right. I'm going to talk about snap zooms. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a snap zoom is like. I think of it as like the zoom equivalent of a whip pan where it's like quick jarring movement. That's a good call. Um, so there are a few ways it can be used. A lot of uh, handheld, um, like not mockumentary, you, you said it earlier, found footage. A lot of found footage use it because it's supposed to be like if an amateur with a camcorder zooms in, they're zooming in as fast as they can or in a documentary, if you want to pick up the thing, you got to do it before it's gone because it's not scripted, whatever. So mockumentaries will do it. Uh, found footage films will do it. Uh, and the other way is kind of uh, not self-serious directors tend to like to do it because a lot of times it looks goofy. And the shot, when I say that, that I'm thinking of is uh, in Django, uh, it, there's a snap zoom on yes. Calvin Candy. Yes. And he turns around and makes a goofy face. And he makes that goofy face when he turns sideways. Yeah. That's one of the greatest villain introductions ever. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio is Calvin Candy. And Tarantino um, is a perfect example of self aware. It's, it's goofy. Yeah. It's like he is self aware, though. He shoots goofy movies. He knows that. And he uses the, the snap zoom to be goofy. Uh, another good example of that is not a movie, obviously. But the music video for Just My Type by Saint Motel, uh, if you don't know that video, look it up. It's very silly. It's very mid-century styled and uses snap zooms like 
every shot. It's real weird. But some examples I think of when I think about how much I don't like it are Man of Steel. Every single action sequence has at least one snap zoom. I believe I could have counted wrong. There are seven snap zooms in the first 20 minutes of the movie. That's insane. That's ridiculous. And to me, it doesn't make sense because I get what he's trying to do when it's like in Batman versus Superman, the very beginning scene or Man of Steel in the climax. It's like a, a reporter shooting the, the uh, action sequence. It's like you're a per like, like it's a documentary. But when it's on Krypton, that's weird. It doesn't right, work for me. Right, exactly. And then J.J. Abrams uses it for uh, action scenes as well. And he does a digital snap zoom. So does um, Zack Snyder. And it looks terrible, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, a zoom, a, a zoom, especially a snap zoom, right, should feel kind of unnatural. Because even, a, even yeah. a slow zoom might feel unnatural because our eyes, we can move closer to something, but we can't just zoom our vision like mm -hmm. that. So the faster it is, the more unnatural it feels, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like, uh, one of the reasons I dislike Zack Snyder and J.J. Abrams' uses of it also are that they're digital. And when you try to replicate a camera trick using editing, it ends up being too smooth. Like it's not, there's not enough like errors, I guess. It, it's too perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can tell it's like kind of artificial, kind of fake. Yeah. Um, so if you don't mind me taking over now. Yeah, no, I was done. Um, yeah, so that was a perfect lead into my first one because mm -hmm. you did the snap pan or not, you did the snap zoom, which is kind of the sister, like the zoom version, like you said, of the whip pan, which is my first mm -hmm. one. I love the whip pan. I think it builds a lot in a scene, especially if you're coming between two different characters. And both movies I have here, it's between two different characters and they actually both involve jazz. So I have whip pans used heavily by Damien Chazelle in one of my whiplash. favorites that we talked about, La La Land. Also and whiplash. And, and, and whiplash. No, no, I had them both. Okay. Whiplash between, oh, what's his name? Jay? Miles Teller. Well, yeah, Miles Teller and, oh, and J.K. Simmons. Simmons. But I meant, I didn't know like their character names is what I was going to say. But yeah, between yeah, no, the two I of them. don't either. Whenever, especially with the amount of tension between those two, when... He's like, give me more. He's like, he's giving him the eyes of like, come on. You're like, I need more out of you. Like, play better, play faster. Don't rush though. They're the, just the right amount. And then you have Miles just like sweating his ass off trying to do it. Like be that drummer he wants to be. It builds that tension along with the jazz music that's playing. And he's just like whipping. Like, I think there's, there's like six in one drum sequence just between the two of them. And he doesn't often, when the music's going, he doesn't like snap cut from one face to the other face like that he mm -hmm. will he will just whip the camera like from one to the next and then in la la land same thing it's when they're at the jazz bar listening to jazz music which is like literally the height of sebastian's character is that he loves jazz and it just so much it it gives that in that sense it was in, it was intensity with whiplash but in la la land it's more playfulness and it builds like this sense of just fun like we're just whipping all around this bar we're, we're kind of drunk you know like we're having we're just moving yeah uh so i i think we've talked about i've never seen la la land i have seen one scene it's very cool i think 
this is what you're talking about. I'm not sure. Is it the scene where like she's dancing and he's playing piano and the music's like yes. da, 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 da. yes, yes. Yeah, okay. That's it. Yeah. That's a cool scene. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really well done. And um I just think it's kind of ironic, right? You know, not ironic, but fitting. How do you not make a movie called Whiplash? Yeah. And, and not use a whip fan as like your premier shot. No, I love I love Damien Chazelle though. There's not like he's yeah, he's really good. But that was my first one. That's all I had on it. I uh I appreciate both of those shots and kind of how it, it builds the scene. So I probably should have mentioned this in the ones where we were going quickly. Uh, but I wanted to talk about it after the snap zoom because I think it has a very similar effect. Uh, axial cuts where it's like it'll punch in two or three cuts uh, I'm trying to think of an example for some reason the example that comes to mind is the ring uh, there's an axial cut into Samara's eyes before she kills someone I don't yeah. know why that's the example I think of but uh, <laughs> the ring's a good movie that's why yeah <laughs> Un- underrated underrated uh, it has a similar effect to the axial zoom I think it's more chaotic because it's jarring it's cut 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 and I think it, it's good at showing fear. And I think that's why they use it in the ring. But that's all I wanted to say about that. Gotcha. All right. So short one there. I can do kind of two short ones back to back because they have a lot to do with each other. And then you can chime in if you had them too. I had just kind of the slow push in and the slow pull out. Because um, I think, you know, I saw it in not the Godfather part two, but it made me think of it. The first Godfather when Michael's like contemplating killing that guy, like who tried to kill yeah. his dad. Um, I think Fincher uses it a lot to kind of center in on info with like certain things in fight club and then like in the social network as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like his, his like slow push-ins and then I think push out or pull out does really well having like a sense of loneliness. And I think a joker, and he's like laying like when the guys beat him up, he's just laying there on the street. You could have pushed in and mm-hmm. it could have been like more like sympathetic, but we just see like we're starting on him, he just got beat up, and then we just kind of leave him in an empty alley as we like move away. Or like the end yeah. of catch me, catch me if you can kind of show the office. I like that because oftentimes, you know, people will do like an establishing shot, show us where the characters are, and then build into them. This like starts with the character and then exposes where we are, which is pretty yeah. cool. Uh just with the slow push-ins, I, I love when a character is monologuing and it's important and the push-in is so slow that you barely notice it. But then like before you know it, it's a close-up suddenly. And then, by, yeah, by the end. Yeah, that's cool. That's kinda, I, I love when. I'm trying to think, in Insomnia, you remember when Al Pacino's on the phone and the camera gets like freakishly close to his face? Vaguely. It's been a long time since I've seen Did they, I don't know if they just start the camera there or if they push into him. But I that's one where, like, it, you get uncomfortably close when he's talking. But, all right, you're up, kid. Uh, so the next one I want to talk about is split diopter shots. Uh, I think that's what they're called. I, <laughs> I apologize if my information is wrong. Uh, I immediately think of Brian De Palma movies. He uses it in, like, every movie. And by default, then, Tarantino does because they're such good friends. Um, a lot of these are Tarantino ones that I'm realizing that I have, but De Palma uh, uses it. Uh, so in Carrie, there's a scene where it's it's very um, overt, and it's 
the the kid who takes Carrie to the prom, I don't remember his name, is in the foreground, Carrie's in the background, and you there's the overt uh, blur in the middle of the screen where they're both in focus. And there it's used to like connect um, the two characters that are very different, but will be like connected throughout the story. So I like how it's used there. Uh, also in a movie I've mentioned before, a different Brian De Palma movie, Blowout, it's used in a scene where John Travolta is gathering, like he's eavesdropping, gathering information about the, the conspiracy. Again, it's connecting characters that are inherently separate. They're in different parts of the hallway, but he's eavesdropping, so that connects the characters. And then in another Brian De Palma movie, Mission Impossible 1, the very famous scene where Ethan Hunt is hanging from the ceiling or whatever. Yes, yes. He uses it in a low angle uh, where a guy is standing there and they're both in focus to kind of show how close he is to being caught. Like there's someone right, right there and it's, it's used to like create discomfort. It's very cool in that scene as well. So in case anyone hasn't seen any of those scenes, um, like any listeners, why don't you just say like what a split diopter is, like the, the little lens... Yeah, so I, I believe it's they have two lenses. I don't know how they do it physically. Yeah, I uh, I have it up here. Um, it's a it's just a like a circle that you put over the camera lens, and one side almost it, it doesn't even have anything on it, or it's just clear, like a normal like whatever the camera. Yeah, it's it's open. And then yeah, one okay. side is the distorting blurred lens, like the, like it, it's a different, has look like look, looks like a different um, focal point that changes the camera. So the effect that has on the screen is one side of the screen, the foreground will be in focus, and on the other side of the screen, the background is in focus. So you have people that are on different uh, like uh, depths of the screen that are both in focus. Yes. All right. So is that it for split split diopter for you? Yes. I'm going to do tilt next, you know, because I think we talked now about the pan, both the slow pan and the wet pan. That's our horizontal motion. Might as well cover mm -hmm. vertical. Um, I love tilt shots because oftentimes it like exposes scale. And part of the reason, again, so I'm a broken record. I'm a freaking huge Nolan fan. Yeah. So, <laughs> as you know, um, but I think Nolan uses this most in my mind just because he often has to express some great scale because he's so good at like world building, particularly in an interstellar and inception, trying to capture both space and like a dream world where you can construct whatever the hell you want. Mm -hmm. So I think when he tilts up and you see the, again, as you said, there was a French city. I don't, I was never even sure what's where they were, but the, that city that tilts completely vertical on itself it almost looks like an L he mm -hmm. tilts up to kind of capture that. And then the waves scene in uh, interstellar pops out as well as like trying to capture like a, an immense scale. So to keep on a similar, uh, I guess vibe, I don't know. That's tilting on a different axis is essentially what we'll be talking about next. It's Dutch angles. So a Dutch angle is when like, you know, it's crooked. <laughs> it, it does. It's not, the horizontal axis of the camera is not uh, straight and it's used to, oh, it's used to create um, like this, this character is in a, is in a, uh, a mental state where they 
you know, whatever. They're not comfortable. Or confusion, uh, like yeah, confusion, exactly. or just yeah, just that's wrecked. Not necessarily how I love when it's used. Uh, I typically only like Dutch angles in very strange movies. Fear and Loathing uses uh, tons of Dutch angles, really good. There's a Sam Raimi Western movie. I'm blanking on the title. Forgive me. Uh, I think it's the. I don't know. I can't remember. I apologize. But uh, that uses Dutch angles and malignant in a lot of the scenes a yeah. lot of the uh um exterior like establishing shots use dutch angles where i don't like it is in movies that otherwise are just kind of normal movies the example i think of immediately when i think of dutch angles is thor one the kenneth Branagh mm-hmm. first thor i I don't want to see Dutch angle. Like, I think that reduces the impact of the Dutch angle. I get that it's like, oh, he's a fish out of water and he's, it's the conflict and he's confused and whatever. I don't care. I don't want to see it in Thor. How do you, how do you feel about uh, Inception then? The hallway? Uh, I like, Um, I like Inception. (laughs) Cause you're, I guess in that, again, it's kind of world building in that, in that use, you're distorting the the dream. Uh, I'm thinking of one that, a movie you recommended to me years ago that really? um, I think it's actually very effective. 12 Monkeys. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's another one where it's such a weird it, movie. Works there. It's a weird movie and you're every time you're in the mental institution, like, yeah. and you're conveying Bruce Willis has no thought control. Like it's very much skewed to his personality. That also, same director as Fear and Loathing. So that's another stylistic thing where Terry Gilliam uses Dutch angles a lot because he makes weird movies. Right. So, uh, and they, so that's a director thing. Yeah. Exactly. Also, they use it in um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And that's another one where I think it's dumb. Don't use it in Harry Potter. That's stupid. <laughs> Don't you go bring in your Dutch crooked shit into my Hogwarts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Um, quick. Quick mention here. I don't have much to say on it besides two words, Kubrick's there and slow zoom. I mean, you said zoom already. I'll just keep that in the umbrella of zoom, but I think of the shining, yeah. you know, just the Jack Nicholson stare straight full, into the camera. Full metal jacket. Uh, full metal jacket. I, yeah. Full, he, I mean, he does it so much yeah. in all his filmography. And I know you're a, a huge Kubrick guy, so I thought you'd appreciate I, it. Yeah. You want to do another one? So short. Yeah, since since that was short, I'll do another. Uh, you have the over the shoulder convo shot. I don't, but I'll... I know I meant I'm I'm mentioning that you have that as a. Oh, as a oh thing. I thought you were asking me. That's my fault. <laughs> no, no, no. Like you have the over the shoulder convo shot, which oftentimes I think builds suspense in the conversation. Again, all the Godfathers, Goodfellas, any mob movie has this, just because how much how much like close talk conferencing has to happen because of the nature of being in a mob. Um, another one I think of particular scene is no country for old men, the quarter. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome, just back and forth over the shoulder conversation, building tension so slowly. That's an, I mean, that's an awesome scene. Anything so, to say on that? No, I think that's a good, it's a staple. <laughs> it's a staple. That's yeah. yeah it's, it is it is a staple because i mean you can't go a movie without characters speaking to each other so yeah it's a it's conventional but some i do think some movies do use it 
in a way that's more like wow versus just oh this is two characters talking that means nothing yeah um so really quick i just want to mention a jump cut we talked about whether or not this counts because it is technically an editing thing but i think it does because what makes it a jump cut is the fact that the camera doesn't move between the cut i love it in french new wave movies uh jean-luc godard uses it because the whole point of his movies is to kind of break immersion and kind of hit you in the face with the fact that you're watching a movie i think it's really cool um i there's a scene in harry potter and the half-blood prince where they use a double jump cut in the cave and it is weird and stands out and it doesn't fit the rest of the tone of the movie and i hate it yeah you're really slamming harry potter uh, using some of these shots just i don't well yeah because i guess it is weird to have a whole style for a whole movie and then yeah. just kind of pull something from the archives of film film structure yeah <laughs> i could talk a little bit about the role again just completely rotating the camera 360 degrees still aimed forward yeah it just it sometimes it works sometimes it makes me dizzy <laughs> mm -hmm. so talking about that uh there's a film i've talked about on the podcast i believe called upgrade uh it's directed by lee winnell uh frequent collaborator with james wan um and there is a particular kind of shot he uses that I don't know the name of. So I call it the upgrade shot. And it's where the camera kind of locks, locks on to the character. And the way they achieved it was they had an iPhone that had an app and they strapped it to Logan Marshall Green's chest. And then the camera would track the phone. And he uses it in fight scenes. It's really interesting. I have a quote from Lee Winnell where he, talked about that shot in particular he says uh quote it gave the film this extra edge of uneasiness it throws you off kilter it's been really effective because the audience going into it doesn't know how we did it and they don't care nor should they they just go along for the ride and i'm happy to hear people say they haven't seen fight scenes like that before uh if you haven't seen the movie i recommend the movie if you don't want to watch the movie uh look up any fight scene from upgrade they're okay. incredible and you'll know the shot when you see it yeah, I'll, def I'll definitely have to look at that. Uh, but there's a scene where he does backhand springs. And so the camera rolls. So that's why that's the connection. Oh, that's uh, gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Uh, you got to go again, man. I think I'm all out. All right. So you can, you um, can cap us off here. Uh, there's a Gaspar Noe film called Climax. Not for the faint of heart. Don't watch it if you're kind of squeamish. But it builds and builds and then it's chaotic at the end. And at the end, there's a shot where a character is running through the school where it takes place and the camera operator seems to be handheld jogging behind her. So already it's cool. It's like a five minute long take. And as she gets into the gymnasium where the rest of the characters are tripping on acid, uh, watch the movie <laughs> to know why, um, he, flips the camera upside down or she, the, the camera operator flips the camera upside down while doing handheld, while jogging behind the character. And then it's wow. like two more minutes of them just like moving in all different directions. Talk about making you dizzy. That was crazy. There's stuff. a lot going on in that shot. It's, I think it's supposed to make you dizzy. It's That's incredible. Really cool also, if you have people tripping on acid, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, like foundation for what seems that that movie's trying to convey in that in that scene and yeah. that's the thing with like all of these shots right is like 
you're trying to convey something or evoke an emotion. And it, it is truly amazing how just the position or movement, one of those two of the camera can actually draw an emotion. Cause you think about like actors putting on a performance, right? But like what that camera does really just adds every, like uh, so much to, yeah. to what the scene's trying to tell you. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, in that particular one, I, I've definitely talked about it before because I remember saying this. I was in a hot room and it's an uncomfortable movie. And it, um, I don't know, maybe this has happened more than once. Maybe I wasn't talking about climax, but it made me uncomfortable. It made me dizzy. It made me, it's supposed to. If you, if anyone, any of the listeners know anything about Gaspar Noé, he's trying to make you feel like you're going to be sick. That's what his movies are. Wow. <laughs> That's what they do. All right. Do you want to talk about the Vertigo Zoom, Dolly Zoom? Oh, yeah. That's the one that we both shared. That, so, yeah, I didn't have that because I thought you were uh, – I was saving that for you. But I I call it Vertigo Zoom. Again, this is a combination. So, good that we save this for last because this is a combination in my eyes of like – right or not in my eyes is what it is. I guess you could do it either way, right? You could push yeah, you in, could do out and, or in. You could push in and zoom out or pull out and zoom in. Either way, you yeah. have the camera lens focusing the opposite direction that you're physically moving the camera. Yeah. It's a very cool effect. It's usually to convey again, like how we say it's supposed to kind of command a scene, some sense of bewilderment or like realization in the character, yeah. or even if they're like drugged. I think Hunger Games kind of uses it whenever um Katniss gets drugged, but they don't use it on usually it's done on like a character's face. This one's almost done on the the setting in front of her. It's yes. like a point of view dolly zoom, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um, one of my favorite dolly zooms I actually like because they use it in a different way. It is um, uh, Lahane. I know we've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, when they get to Paris, there's a dolly zoom. And my interpretation of it is that it's supposed to show kind of how small and insignificant they feel in this large city because you know it zooms in on them but the background of the city gets massive behind them and then becomes out of focus and it's just these buildings behind them it's used really well uh it's another one like i talked about the snap zoom where i think it's it's a camera trick it's got to be done with the camera right it's used in the new spider-man movie uh, when you know their spider senses are going off before the final battle, I liked that. I I, I liked that. I thought that I was like a, such a cool way to convey spider sense, though, that we have not seen before. I I like the idea of using a dolly zoom to convey spider sense, and I like it earlier in the movie when he like, spoiler alert, re- realizes Green Goblin's gone bad again. But specifically before the final scene, it cuts between each of them, and they do it. And it's a green screen background, so they have to do it digitally, and it does not work uh, for me. Okay, I, don't I was think ta- it looks I good. was talking about whenever he realizes, yeah, Osborne. I, I bad. That was practical. That I can you can I you think know, you can tell. That's the, the scene that I loved. Like yeah, I thought that scene was awesome. Um, and if that's another not practical, one that I would that looks good. <laughs> right. Now I I agree. That was that was phenomenal. I think it was a great way to convey Spidey sense. I think another one that I love that just sticks out in my head is uh, Jaws. Whenever yeah. Brody's like, oh, shit. 
this shark is here and it is mm-hmm. in the water. Yeah. Um, and actually, to talk about Jaws, that's a movie that uses a lot of Dutch angles too. Yeah. A lot of, lot of crooked, crooked shots, which could be okay. I mean, Sheriff Brody's like kind of losing his mind. Like, yeah. He's like trying to. I mean, I think, I think Jaws is good. Yeah. I did, it's just sometimes it bothers me for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a that's a great shout though on Spider Sense. I I did not even think of that, and that's a scene that st- like stuck out to me when I watched that movie the first time. Yeah. How'd you like the uh, uh, the shot of the, the the slow zoom in on? Actually, no, it was a excuse me, slow uh, zoom out on Peter in the rain after like a bunch of shit hits the fan, and he's like, oh, uh, when, when he's being lit by the screen. Yes. That's my favorite. That's I think that's the best shot in the movie. It's gorgeous. You yeah. have J.K. Simmons berating him on the big screen, yeah. And then the the pull out I think again often conveys a sense of loneliness as we said. Like said, these these shots are meant to do something, and that is when he is at his lowest. He is very literally, and kind of just in his head alone, for a lot of reasons. That I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the movie or anything, but he's alone. Yeah. And man. That's a that's a strong scene. And I think like honestly, sometimes superhero movies get gypped. Again, I don't think that movie was necessarily like some cinematography winner through the whole thing. But I think after I'm glad you've now watched that I can say this to you. Uh what's his face? William Defoe. Oh, snubbed. Yeah. He delivered an outstanding that man at least deserved to be nominated for something. Yeah. Oh uh, man. Probably my favorite working actor. Really quick, I wanted to mention the Sam Raimi Western I talked about earlier is called The Quick and the Dead. There is a gunfight in the movie and every shot, it's there's probably eight to 10 cuts in about five seconds between the, the two characters and their hands in the guns or whatever. Every shot I think is a Dutch angle and every shot is a super fast dolly zoom. And it's like disorienting and insane, but I think it works really well. That's awesome. So yeah, I think that about does it, man. That was an yep. informative, informative episode. A lot of good news, a little malignant review, but um, yeah, I I think camera work is so sometimes underappreciated. Yeah. Again, so sometimes it's all people focus on too. Yeah. Depends on who you're talking to, but I think a lot of times it does go a little bit understated, especially with certain like really creative things that guys do, like particularly what you were talking about with the, uh, um, the. The jogging, I forget what movie that was, but then also upgrade with the the camera rolls. Mm-hmm. I just think that sometimes these guys make really awesome decisions. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta acknowledge like, wow, the fact that you even thought to use that there in that way is is brilliant. Yeah. But that's all I have. You got anything else? We have an Instagram now. It's, it's I believe it's at not the final cut. That is right. It is at. It is at not the final cut. Uh, so tell us, tell us some shots we missed. Tell us that you think Dutch angles go in every movie. Uh, <laughs> tell us that you think Zack Snyder's use of the snap zoom is perfect. I want to agree or just agree with everything we say. Yeah. or Why not that? <laughs> Yeah. Just hit us up. Talk to us. Uh, I, I actually would love to get some, some listener feedback. Uh, if anyone wants to message on there and just see, uh, 
uh, what you liked and what you didn't. Honestly, even if you have uh, any ideas for episodes, send them our way. We'll try to get them out to you. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening and have a good one. Yeah. See ya.